when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they went into the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshipped him. Amen. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, Amen. The last stanza of the hymn kind of gives it away already at the beginning. Your grace in lowliness revealed, Lord Jesus, we adore, and praise to God the Father yield in spirit evermore. We praise you evermore. The Lord reveals His grace and His mercy and His kindness in lowliness, in humility. He cloaks His majesty in flesh and blood, even in the flesh and blood of a little baby sitting in His mother's lap. He hides His power and His strength and His, and his world-creating splendor. He hides that behind flesh and blood that's being pierced run through with a spear, nailed to a cross that's bleeding all over the place. He hides His majesty in humility. And wisdom is seeing that. In fact, I would like to consider the text that we have before us with with this contrast in mind. The wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God. What is it then that you think of when I say wisdom? What what do you picture in your mind? Uh, An academic sort? Thin rim glasses, tweed jacket, sitting behind his big wooden desk with all the books behind him? See, that's what I'm trying to produce in my office, the illusion of wisdom, right? Smoking his pipe, I wonder if that has something to do with it. Some writer sitting there laboring over a text. Or or do you think of, and this is doubtful, but do you think of politicians? (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe that's not the right thing. Do you think of someone that's dignified? Of someone that's, that's prudent? Someone that's careful and thoughtful? That has a good appearance? Someone that... Someone that knows the value of a dollar and that knows what a hard day's work means. Someone that's lived a while, that's been around, that's seen a lot of things, uh, that, that knows the world. We, I I'm not sure exactly what your picture of wisdom is, but I, I, I imagine it's something like this. Someone who doesn't say too much. When they speak, you know they want to listen, you want to listen to it because their words are few but precious. Uh, someone that uh, that can spout off uh, wise sayings and give you advice at the drop of a hat. Maybe, maybe this is the picture of wisdom. But here is the Bible's picture of wisdom. It's a different picture entirely. Imagine this. A small little house in a country town. And in it, a mother and stepfather and child. And going into that house are five dignitaries, or three dignitaries, pick your number, twelve dignitaries, whatever you want, a group of dignitaries, (laughs) dressed finely, groomed beards, rich silk clothes, servants, camels, riches, attendants, going into this tiny little house, 
and falling on their face before this child, before this baby, before this humble little boy. That is the Bible's teaching of wisdom. In the Greek, it calls these men magi, which maybe would be better translated magician or sorcerer. But we translate it, and I think rightly, wise men. Because these men show us what true wisdom is, and it is simply this. Wisdom recognizes that hidden underneath the flesh and blood of Jesus is God our Savior, our life, and our salvation. We'll see it in the text. If you want to follow along, I printed it in extra small print to remind you of how old you are. <laughs> it's in the bulletin. This text is full of mystery. And, and by the way, the difference when we talk about mystery in the Scripture versus when we talk about a secret, the way that you end a secret is by telling it. But when you tell a mystery, it still remains a mystery, huh? It still is what it is. It's not destroyed by telling, but the mystery grows deeper by telling. And this text is full of great mysteries. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, this already is a strange situation. Herod was given the title by Caesar, the king of the Jews. Huh? He, that's, that's what he was called. He had led, apparently, a campaign against the Iranians and secured the Roman western border. In other words, he had just been to war with people from the east. <laughs> and that's how he got his station. And now, wise men come from that same direction, saying, verse 2, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? Now, as soon as you hear that, you say, there's going to be trouble, because that's what they called Herod. We saw his star, says the wise men, when it rose and have come to worship him. There it is, worship. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Uh, Herod was a crazy man. And he was troubled by anyone who would uh, presume to take his throne. He had relatives killed, uh, 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 nieces and nephews, even some of his own children and his own wives killed. In fact, Herod was so nutty. And, uh, just imagine this that he had given his, his soldiers orders that when he died, after he died, the soldiers were to go and kill all the leading men in Jerusalem also. Just murder them wherever they were. Find them and kill them. The reason? So that Jerusalem would be mourning at his death. Now, how about that for crazy? So Herod was troubled, and you better believe that when Herod is troubled, everyone is troubled. All Jerusalem was troubled with him. But watch this next text. Verse 4. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, notice the wise men didn't say anything about the Christ. They asked about the king. It's Herod who's convinced by the wise men and by the sign of the star that this is the Messiah, the long-awaited one. The, the one promised in the Old Testament. And what does he do? 
He, he told, uh, they, uh, sorry, where are we here? Verse 4, he assembled all the chief priests and asked them where the Christ was to be born. And these scribes and priests told them, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, I don't know if the chief priests and scribes would have emphasized that word shepherd, but I think if I was in the presence of Herod, I would. Because Herod is not shepherding the people. He's killing the people and riding roughshod over the people. He's the last thing that you would think of when you think of a shepherd. But the promise is that in Bethlehem, the one who will come, the Christ, will shepherd his people. Luther notes at this point when he comments on the text that as soon as these wise men said that, uh, sorry, as soon as the scribes said this to the wise men, that Herod and the scribes and the priests and all the people in Jerusalem should have walked to Bethlehem on their knees to find this child. But they don't. Herod, verse 7, summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained, that is, he diligently searched out from them what time the star had appeared. And when he had gotten that information, he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, and here comes Herod's lie, when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. What astounds me about this is that Herod was apparently convincing to the wise men. They were, after they left the house of Mary, they were intending to go back and actually tell Herod where he was. But the angels warned them and said, bad idea. After listening to the king, verse 9, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before him until it came to rest over the place where the child was. The Lord confirms his word with this sign. And when they saw it, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And now the meat of the text, verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Again, Luther comments on the text. And he says that the people walking by the house, you know, the people out walking their dogs and cats that night in Bethlehem, looking in the door and seeing these wise men on their knees, on their faces, worshiping this baby, would have thought to themselves, what great fools these men are. Falling on their face, to worship this child. What great fools. You see, the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God are different. The wisdom of the world is never on its face before a baby boy. The wisdom of the world is never offering gold and frankincense and myrrh to a humble little child. The wisdom of the world is never worshiping a man who's there in the flesh. The wisdom of the world would never think that a Jewish 
33-year-old man dying on the cross, bleeding all over the place, could be God. The wisdom of the world simply balks at this and says it's foolishness, utter foolishness. But we have a different wisdom. The wisdom of the wise men. The wisdom given by God on high. The wisdom wrought in us by the Holy Spirit and taught to us by the Lord's Word. The wisdom to recognize simply this, that Jesus is God. He is God in our flesh. He is our life and our salvation. In a few minutes, the Lord Jesus will call us to His altar. And we, like the wise men, will bow down before him, kneeling before him. You know that at this time of night, there's people all around us going out to restaurants or setting tables at their homes, and they're eating food much nicer than the food that we're about to eat. A little tiny little piece of bread and a little tiny sip of wine. People are cutting into steaks biting into hamburgers. I hope you all had dinner before the service. <laughs> Drinking fine drink. And making much less pomp and circumstance about it than us. Imagine them walking by the window or walking by the back door and looking in and seeing us on our, on our knees, bowing before this bread and wine, before this altar. Imagine them saying, what great fools we are. Hmm? But this is the wisdom of God. To recognize that in this bread and in this wine is the flesh and the blood of Jesus and the promise of our forgiveness. That God has, has come to serve us Himself tonight and with Himself eternal life. May we then give thanks that just as the Lord Jesus called the wise men to the wisdom of worshiping Him, that He has called us to the same. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.